welcome back to the foxhole. Big show here. A lot to talk about. Fox charting in a foxhole. Season 6, episode 17, number 177 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here from Eagle's Nest 2 Studios, Studio A, on Oprah Chaos Day in Eugene. Always thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com and Mixer for the tunes provided in the podcast. Always a shout out to the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation. You know, if you want to be on the podcast, sponsor it or just say hey, ftinfx at gmail.com. All right, let's get rolling here. Big show, big week in sports, big night in sports. The Beavers and the Utes. Rocking up there at Resource Stadium, up the road here in a few minutes. Got Louisville coming on. Got the Aces in Game 3, where I think they can close it out. Baseball winding out. Big Cups this week. So let's get to some open face. Very somber one to start off the show, as we have to say goodbye to legendary Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson, because he passed away this week. Man that won championships in 66 and 70 with the Orioles. You know, Mr. Oriole, when I was growing up, one of the best third basemen ever to play the game. Just look at, you know, his performance in the 70 World Series when they beat the Reds. The human vacuum cleaner learned from the great Billy Cox, who was also a good third baseman, you know, when the Orioles moved over to Baltimore. Anyway, yeah. You know, legendary character, one of baseball's great statesmen. And, uh, you know, our condolences go out to his family, obviously. You know, friends and the, the Oriole organization. Just had a big week, but obviously, you know, wearing that five on the sleeve, the five patch on the sleeve, well warranted. You know, definitely one of the true great personalities and players, you know, the time I've been watching baseball, which has been a minute or two. All right. All right. Unfortunately, well, you know, unfortunately about Brooks Robinson, but this is, to me, unfortunately, in a completely other direction, that big news in sports this week are the Chiefs and Chiefs Nation and the Swift Lane. Okay, I did talk a lot of trash about, I thought there was not much to all of this other than a PR stunt between Mr. Kelsey and the legendary T. Sizzle. She was in the box with Kelsey's mom, and the whole universe goes nuts. Kelsey's jersey sells spiked 400% this week now that, that T. Sizzle's on board. The Swifties are going after Kelsey's ex because Kel she called Kelsey a cheater bombing her inbox and threatening to kick her ass. Uh, NFL talk shows. Even Brittany Mahomes is just like saying, wow, over in the other box, like, but it's supposed to be about me. And I'm even sure Gracie Hunt's thinking the same thing. Wow, right? Um, I don't want to get too deep in this, okay? It is what it is. I don't know if it's a publicity stunt because neither one of them, all the commercials he's making and you know, she's obviously as big as the Beatles, so maybe there's something to it. Maybe they're having fun with everyone, whatever the case may be. But along with Dion, the world's 
all of a sudden can't stop talking about it. The Swifties were so happy. Oh, so wonderful. And the Chiefs fans are like going, this is wonderful. It makes me want to throw up. All right. Another interesting thing with Kelsey's brother who plays on the Eagles, him and Jalen Hurts played Monday Night Football with flu-like symptoms. Why do I say, hmm? Because you know this segment used to be the COVID Chronicles before we moved away from that. But I'm like going, wow. If we got to that point, and I don't want to sound like, you know, the anti-vaxxers and the other morons out there, but you know, if you follow this podcast, I'm very suspicious when anytime someone has flu-like symptoms and things are hushed up. Maybe it's nothing to it, but it's kind of interesting that they went on and played the game. One, we'll talk about that in the NFL report. Yeah, you know, kind of suspicious on the on the one hand, the again, where we are with vaccines and immunities. Maybe it is nothing, but it's still one of those things that does make you go, hmm. Okay. You know, one more thing about T Sizzle. This is going to be interesting. So one of the native organizations, you know, that's been pushing for name change is trying to enlist Taylor Swift to urge the Chiefs to stop the tomahawk chop. I find that interesting because, you know, even though I think NAGA is, is a bunch of MAGA, a MAGA runs, I've been yelled at all these people that won't let go of the Redskin name change. Why is that org not coming after those guys, but yet trying to talk to T-Sizzle about talking to the Chiefs. Now, I think the Chiefs should get rid of the Tomahawk Chop. I think there's just no place for that right now. You know, we we're okay. I mean, I was okay with the Redskins becoming the Commanders. And, you know, we just need to tone that down, you know, unless, like, you know, in the case of the Seminoles, where the tribe says, okay, go for it. Even that is kind of odious, if you ask me. We'll see where this all goes. Another interesting one. Mr. Stetson Bennett, you know, I've been all over University of Georgia in their antics with the party culture and driving like maniacs and the tragedies and lawsuits. Well, he's been sidelined by the bottle, apparently. Um, you know, they've been put on the non-injury list because homie can't stop drinking, apparently. I'm not trying to make light of this. just makes you wonder, you know, wonder all the shenanigans going down there. They always said that homie was, you know... The life of the party in Athens, but you really wouldn't want to see that derail his NFL career. I don't think it's a big deal right now, as we saw Monday night with Stafford. Even though he took a beating, he's going to be there for 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 the time being. So you know, maybe this is a good time for him to get his life together because you know I think he could be the heir apparent. The Rams are looking for that's when they took him, but man, that's pretty intense that the bottle has put him on the sidelines. Better hope Mr. Stafford doesn't get hurt. And what was going to be an interesting talking point, I don't know, give Tyreek Hill big week for you Dolphins fans out there. Well, he crossed a stir, you know, on the TMZs and those type, Radar Online, that those type of mediums, by saying he wants to go out when he ends his career, which he keeps saying is going to be sooner than later, with a bang, by becoming a porn star. And I was about to say, well, what does a foxhole think about that? But then he says he's just kidding, you know, pulling our legs. Hey, you got the clicks and the necessary attention, but the way your Dolphins are playing, I don't think you really need the attention. 
in your quest to become the first receiver to get 2,000 yards. But I was going to say, if you're going to get your freaky deaky on like that, don't be giving Antonio Brown any ideas now, okay? Speaking of tawdry, this little behind-the-scenes tiff that Skip and Stephen A and, you know, their, their lackeys are having just makes me want to say, you know what? Why don't you guys get a hotel room and have relations and get it over with? Because, you know, it's just, I mean, it's like, you know, two people in heat that just need to, you know, get it on. Yeah, I know that sounds pretty disgusting. I mean, I have to take a shower for even mentioning that, you know, just to keep the ugh off of me. But seriously, this little back and forth between these two being all catty, just like, go get a room and just, you know, do whatever you need to do behind closed doors. Okay. So the XFL-USFL merger that we spoke about, I guess this is a go. I talked about it, you know, in, in previous podcasts here recently. And I've had some more time to think about it. And I actually do like this concept, as I said previously. But like I said, I've had some time to marinate on it. And... It has the possibility of feeding the itch for those, as I've said before, that just can't get enough football. Especially, you know, with various cities, you know, without you combine both leagues. It makes sense. Is it ever going to be a big thing? Highly unlikely. But it may have some viability as opposed to it being on the road to folding. You know, having two spring leagues was just not going to be viable right not rocket science there so i even take that as a smart thing <sighs> okay let's see here what else do we have here? one of the interesting things we see this week are you know in the whole streaming wars thing or the the streaming evolution i should see to, to more correctly describe it so the jazz is have a network that they're a streaming network they're launching called jazz plus and this is going to be five gate five dollars a game, fifteen fifty a month. Guy, eh, you know, I mean, I, I mean that PSG, you know, right? Because if, if you can't get BM Sports, if you don't have Fubo or Sling, like most people, it's like you know, I don't know, nine ninety five. So fifteen fifty a month. I mean, five games, five dollars a game. Uh, you know, eighty two games. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, yeah, maybe $15.50 is, is, is a decent value. The defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, have a similar thing going on with their own streaming network that's going to come on. And this is like either $70 a season or $6.99 a game. 81 games versus $70 a season. You know, the NHL, NHL season lasts is long enough. I'm guessing if you go with the season route to stream games, that's probably better than $7 a pop for a game. You know what I'm saying? But the bigger question is, are we going to see this from everybody now? As the whole cut the cable thing and moving to streaming platforms and having more of an a la carte type of package where you get what you want, seems to be where they want things to go. I don't know if that's where it's actually going to end up going, but you have to wonder if these are successful because you know the Suns, they're going to actually give games free, but 
They're probably going to look around at this and say, free my ass. The Jazz and the Golden Knights and other teams are getting, you know, five, seven bucks a pop per game for folks who just don't want to have the whole package, but let's say if the Lakers or, you know, the Bucks, you know, or the Heat, Celtics, that sort of thing, or, or Nuggets, obviously, or on the tube. So, anyways, I'm going to be curious to see where the trajectory goes over the, the coming year or two. You know, if this is where we're headed, or if this is just a novel idea that dies on the vine pretty quickly. You know we'll be talking about it. All right, we'll be back with a high view on campus when we return. Welcome back to the foxhole. Chilling on a Friday afternoon, waiting for some Pac-12 after dark action and a few other things like I mentioned in the last segment. Yeah. All righty. I'm going to take the drones out because we don't really feel like going to the airport. A little early for the adult beverages, but they're coming. <sighs> drones are in the air, getting to the cruising altitude. They take the high view above campus. A lot going on this week. So much that this Colorado-Oregon game, I'm going to save my wrath for that segment. But I can tell you this, that the first thing we'll talk about high above campus and the feel-good story of the week, that Mr. Travis Hunter and Harry Blackburn broke bread and bowled together so are you people making threats towards him and, and having hate? Like, hey, you know, we had a we are the world moment. Hey, can't we all just get along? It can't happen. Kind of cheesy, you know, but hey, it's cool, right? That, you know, that it, I'll give Prime this. As he talked about, as I said last week, that he didn't hold it against him. said, you know, these things happen on the field. It's very competitive and you get some pretty hard hits out there. And there's no hard feelings, so... Everybody, you know, get in the circle, sing kumbaya, move on to other controversies. Good for, good for all parties involved to make that happen. Okay, college football playoff is still trying to figure out what format will work best. A 6-6 six, six thing or a 5-7? You know, as I said from the onset of this podcast, when, you know, in the previous five seasons, it really was going to be a matter of seeing how the deaths settled in terms of what this was actually going to look like you know, when it actually launches in 2024. And now, you know, whether it's now with the Pac-12 collapsing, because I don't think anybody saw that happening, I thought more or less the Pac-12 would kick some teams out and create a super conference as opposed to imploding. So, yeah. They're still in the back room trying to figure it out. To be quite frank, we don't know yet because the dust really hasn't settled. There's a lot of questions to, to still get resolved. Clemson wants out of the ACC, apparently. What's going to happen with Oregon State and Washington State, who are now who both are legit squads? In fact, just yesterday, there was hearings in the Oregon State legislature. It got pretty heated. And long and short of it, 
Don't be surprised if you know we have some court battles in front of us as far as how this is going to shake out. What did I say last week? You know, maybe screw 2024 and find a way to create your own super pack, which seems to make more sense now given how well these teams look. And there's no need to go chase the big money and the Big Ten of the ACC. You ain't getting in the SEC, so I don't know. But it's going to be interesting if the state and courts get involved, and, you know, if they can. What does that mean for the future? I mean, obviously, California kind of knuckled under as far as letting UCLA, you know, out from under, you know, its thumb. I didn't think they would had the power anyhow, but maybe I was wrong about that. But it's a moot point. Where here in Oregon, we shall see. It just seems like there, 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 people want to have more discussions at the high level about the impacts this is going to have. And there are impacts that many coaches are talking about. Seeing that we are taking a high premium on mental health these days, and that all this travel and being out of class and the pressure with the NIL, yeah, interesting times we live in. Another interesting thing, you know, that here locally, as I also talked about in this podcast a while back, it's coming back to, I don't know, roost its ugly face, the Title IX question. You know, right? This here in Oregon with the, you know, women's uh, beach volleyball team getting the shaft. And I know they're not the only ones, men or women's teams, who are not being the beneficiaries of this financial boondoggle that's come about from the networks, NIL, and you know other revenue streams that are now filling the coffers of many of these athletic departments. But as we predicted all along, when all of this stuff started happening back in 2020, that this is going to be the elephant in the room. Now, these ladies have followed the lawsuit because it is... Uh, beach volleyball, we shall see how much traction it gets and how much it moves the needle. But you know if enough of these other programs, especially when we're talking women in Title IX, you know, they all band together, the needle's going to move. And you can't have all of this money being bandied about and only the pretty people or, you know, some, you know, buddy that garners a lot of headlines like Miss Clark and Miss Reese do in women's hoops. You know, so maybe some of the softball girls and nobody else is, you know, feeling the love. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. And there's a lot of cheddar and lettuce, right, you know, that go in that salad. So you all better fix this problem soon or the courts and, you know, the politicians will. All right. Mr. Tucker. Melly, 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 Mel, Mel, Mel. He was fired from Michigan State, no surprise there, basically claiming that they, you know, he brought ridicule to the school, and that's grounds for sending him on his way. He's got to push back. I mean, I haven't really taken the time to read his response because you know how I feel about this when I went off, you know, in the previous weeks about this, especially getting yourself in a predicament like this. You know, I, it's going to end up in the courts, Right as far as him probably getting a decent settlement. Don't think he's going to get a good head coaching job again, nor should he for being such an idiot. That's all I can tell you. Um, 
Okay, kind of scratch the surface about this last week, kind of made a big splash, then went away with everything else that's going on. The whole thing about relegation and, you know, the harsh reality of it ever possibly coming to fruition. And the fact is, yeah, it's a good idea. But as many astute folks will tell you, if you're Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, Lincoln Riley, why would you ever put yourself in peril? You know, these schools that are just printing presses in terms of this, like I said, this boondoggle of revenue streams, there is no incentive. Like the reason why you don't see it in any of the big four or five American professional sports. You know, why there was a, an attempt to create a Super League over in Europe. It's a novel idea, and, you know, I kind of scoffed at it at the beginning, but I can see how that would create a whole nother level of excitement and great storylines. But, you know, when you're making lots of money, there's just the, the powers that be, there's no incentive for them to put themselves at risk of having to, like, go down and play in, you know, the American Conference or, right, <laughs> or, or, or whatever, Sunbelt, whatever, Mid-American. If you go down there, all of a sudden, the transfer portal is not so attractive. All of a sudden, you ain't on TV generating views like Colorado has been the last couple of weeks in big matchups. So, yeah. Whew. Okay. Last stuff happened on the field. Ohio State and Notre Dame, the 10-man defense. Yeah, Notre Dame finding a way in those beautiful green jerseys. They'll have Ohio State snatch defeat and turn it into victory. Of course, it, and Ryan Day, and like I said, I got a lot to say in a closer look about now the prima donna coaches, you know, thanks to Dion and his theatrics, everybody has to have a moment. Now, I don't know who let Lou Holtz out of whatever cave he was in and gave him a microphone to create all kinds of bulletin board material for Ohio State. But yeah, Ryan Day out there mugging hard. And like I said, the whole 10 men on the field, I was just watching Kornheiser and Wilbon talk about, hey man, somebody needs to get fired. I'm not saying it's going to be Marcus Freeman, but there's going to be hell to pay if that one loss, depending on what happens to them, you know, playing a... Uh, ranked unbeaten Duke tomorrow where college game day is going to be in Durham. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And just, you know, you had the game in hand. Hard to say. You know, the the Pac-2 had a big meet, meet up this past weekend in Pullman. Washington State getting a three-point win. Although, kind of felt like, I don't know, the game was that close and it wasn't that close. You know, kid for Wazoo, what was he like, 30 of 33 or something like that? Beavers left, leaving a lot of opportunities on the field. You know, the Beavers came into the game, I think, as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. So they got to win tonight, you know, against a very tough Utah team. Or, you know, this season of promise could quickly go out the window because, you know, there's a lot of tough games and this very robust Pac-12 in front of it. And of course, 
another diva moment for coaches. WSU's Jake Dicker getting pissed at Lee Corso. You know, Lee Corso, like Lou Holtz. Where are your handlers to keep these guys from saying stuff they probably shouldn't? No, he has some disparaging things to say about the two leftovers after everybody flew the coop. And he was not happy about that. Neither was Ryan Leaf. All right. When did college now when did college football take on this WWE? You know, right, where it's just all about smack talking and belly aching and trying to get out in front of the camera, you know, with hot takes. Crazy, you know, it's just these coaches chasing instant gratification, basically. You know, like I said, we'll get into the whole Dan Lanning, Dion thing a little bit later. But like I said, with Ryan Day, Washington State's coach, a few other coaches, now all of a sudden looking for that, you know, that that mic drop moment every Saturday. We don't need WWE. We don't need Jake Paul or, or MMA, you know, to get a little bit of bluster anymore. It's just, it's funny and it isn't funny. All right, what else do we got? Florida State escaping another L. Are they all that? Well, you know, getting two narrow escapes, first at Boston College, then somehow finding a way to get past Clemson, maybe they are. One thing we can say is Iowa Hawkeyes, once again, showing they are not ready for the big stage. Man, did they look like poo-poo getting waxed. It's almost a shame that, you know, what, what little time I did spend paying attention to that, I can't get those seconds back because there was just nothing there. Okay. That big matchup in the Pac-12, Bruins in, in Utah. Utah wins by seven without their star quarterback, the rotating QBs. What do we make of this? Well, Chip Kelly and the Bruins may not be that bad. And are we sure Utah's that good? I think we'll know a lot in, you know, about two and a half hours. You know, going to Corvallis, you know, with the revamped Research Stadium. Pumping on a Friday night, you know that town's been dumping all day. Yeah, I I'm not sure what to make of this in, in terms of that game. Except it was 14-7. Okay. Other story, the Huskies. They keep rolling. Nobody's really talking about them. Okay, you beat the crap out of Cal. You beat up a Michigan State program that's in complete disarray because of Mr. Tucker shenanigans. So we really don't know, you know, are the Huskies box office or do, you know, they play in Oregon and SC or one of these other top Pac-12 teams. Yes, Utah, I'm not leaving you out and come back to reality. It's been more of the case in recent years. We shall see, but they do look kind of scary. Nobody's really talking about them yet. In other conversations, we got to see Mr. Sark, Sarkeesian, and his Texas Longhorns really beat the you-know-what out of Baylor. Should we be impressed? Well, you beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I don't know where Baylor is right now. Well, I kind of do, but they where they used to be. But yeah, I think you're going to have to keep an eye on Texas just solely on the fact that they were able to beat Alabama. 
schedule, we shall see. But right now, things are looking very good in Austin. Okay, we'll get you with this one, or we'll get to the, we'll, we'll pass to the next segment. My, 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 have things changed? You know, I always talk about, you know, the days when I was at UNLV, and, you know, I used to travel the state and get up to UNR quite a bit as well, you know, the University of Nevada at Reno, and how you couldn't bet on games and all this stuff, and they never wanted the stigma of gambling to be anywhere near these programs. Well, I think this week they announced as part of a large casino project, one of the biggest ever in the biggest little city in the world, that UNR's arena is going to be, that new arena, or, or you know, soon to be next home, is going to be inside of a casino. And I just thought to myself, Man, how amazing how far we've come since the days when I went to UNLV and would go watch both of those schools play that I ever thought I would see the day where, yeah, the Wolfpack playing inside of a casino when it used to be, right, the gaming committee and the powers that be did everything they did to keep any hint, any scintilla of gambling away from these programs. Yeah, interesting times we live in. All right, folks, we'll be back with something you should probably know when we return. Spaghetti Western. <sighs> Time for one of our favorite segments in the foxhole, as you all know. Segment number three. Something you should probably know are things that happened in the sports world this week you might want to know or care about. Hmm. Well, this first point, or, you know, bullet point started out as, well, who do we think takes the honors at this week's Ryder Cup? You know, both sides seeing the right things, both pinning for victory and representing their countries. I came in with a very optimistic hope for the Americans. And luckily, I didn't wake up in the middle of the night and into the morning to see on day one the Americans trailing six and a half to and one and a half didn't win a single... Didn't win a single match. I mean, you know, some of our best golfers getting blitzed. And then some of our best golfers not having any money being up. I mean, you know, these guys are too good. You've got Rory Boy, Mr. Hovland, and Rom on the other side to think all of a sudden you're going to turn it around on Saturday and Sunday. Right? You know, it just, yeah, I was kind of meant to see you know, the U.S. getting boat raced. I knew this was going to be a tough challenge for them. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe because, as somebody pointed out, just you know, was watching Sports Center and whatnot, you know, that these guys kind of wrapping their season up a little bit early and, you know, guys still playing over there in Europe in various competitions. And maybe these guys lost their edge. You know, and maybe there is some truth that there is more of some commodity 
as far as the European players as opposed to the Americans who just kind of show up. You know, kind of like that whole thing with, you know, like MLS All-Stars playing Arsenal. Everybody's just kind of having a good time being together and the other squad's all united, ready to kick your ass. I don't know. Well, speaking of, the live is still happening. And how about my man, Mr. Bryson DeChambeau, shooting a 28 on the back nine that won the Chicago Live, his second win of the season. I should say the live event in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, 28 on the back nine. I'm always, you know, chilling. And, you know, speaking of the live golfers who are not in Rome in the Ryder Cup, Brooks Kepka had this to say. He goes, you know what? Stop bitching and boating. Play better and you'll be there. And I thought to myself, well, damn, ain't that harsh. But the question is, is he lying? Probably not. Okay, let's go to the track. Get some, get behind the wheel, and let's race. Mr. Verstappen takes the checkered flag in Japan for his 13th win of the season. I knew he'd bounce back after sustaining his first loss. He was just like, nah, man, nah, 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 nah. I got to let you all get one, but I'm back at what I do. And what I do is win races on the F1 circuit, which probably was Hamilton to come out and say after, you know, eating Matt Max's dust once again. Well, Mercedes, give us six months and we'll be there. Well, honey, based on what I'm seeing, I ain't seeing it. As far as anybody being able to compete with Red Bull right now. Why does he know that we don't know that's going to happen within six months? Whew. Okay. You know, the, the first set of the cup playoffs is starting to wind down. William Bryan gets his 10th career victory, taking the honors at Texas Speedway, advancing along with notable names, Mame and Bubba Wass, Denny Hamlin, Mr. Truex Jr., Brad Kleslowski, and Kyle Larson, to name a few who are still alive, who are still alive, I should say, in the round of 12. Still keep an eye on that. Still hoping that Netflix series actually definitely captures this captures this so we have, truly have an essence of what this, you know, the cup playoffs are about. Because, you know, unfortunately for NASCAR, it's really hard to get traction when you have everything that's going on with the NFL, college football, baseball, Messi FC, you name it, for, you know, somebody to actually have a, a second to catch, you know, what's going on in the cup playoffs. My lion. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's go ringside for a second. Big fight this weekend as our man Canelo and Jamel Charlo are going to get together for the undisputed super middleweight, undisputed belt. It's kind of interesting because, you know, I'm always picking on boxing in terms of, you know, the. That rose not having much bloom. And, you know, to my point, didn't it used to always seem like any time Canelo was fighting that, you know, it would move the needle? And I can tell you, as a big, you know, 
domestic soccer fan and lots of our fans at my, my club LIFC being huge Canelo fans, I don't even hear folks say anymore, well, gee, do I have to make a choice, LAFC or watching Canelo? It just seems that even, even his um, attraction meter is not quite what it used to be. Nevertheless, this is going to be a pretty big bout. Looking excited to talk about it next week. We'll kind of see what kind of reaction, you know, is going to happen during the fight. And, and you know, does it cause any ripples on what's going to be very big Saturday night in the sports world? Okay. Now it's time for me to get my cynical hat on, as I tend to do in this segment every week. And I'm not even going to, you know, forgive me for butchering this name because they don't take time to actually listen to clips to get the correct pronunciations. But this is Tis Asifa shattering the women's world record in the marathon by almost two and a half minutes, I believe. Clocking in at 2.11.53 in the Berlin Marathon. Okay, it's one thing for me to be skeptical whenever somebody shatters a record by two and a half minutes. I don't care what the distance is. You know, 2.11.53 is like, wow. I mean, I remember way back in the day when Joan Benoit, Joan Benoit Samuelson, what she ran like a 2.20, I was just like, whoa. But for me, the perspective is when I think about how long Derek Clayton, who held the world record at 209, you know, for most of the time I was growing up as far as the world record in the marathon, and now you have a, a woman, and I'm not saying this in any derogatory way, just more of how things have evolved so quickly, that's only like two minutes off of what Derek Clayton, I mean, Derek Clayton had that record in the marathon forever. Now, mind you, the men are about the crack, you know, the two-minute barrier, and the gap between the men and women as far as the times they post is still around 10 or 11 minutes, but still. 2.11.53, man, that's cooking some hot cakes on the griddle, yo. Okay. What else do I have? Uh, this, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, let's talk a little gambling, shall we? Well, first of all, you know, we'll hop in our Sam Boney because this is really gambling anyways in terms of what my what my um, bullet point's about. But they just posted the futures for the 23-24 Stanley Cup. And it's very interesting. You know, as we take a ride around the, what we call it, the ice rink of life. So we have the abs at one, you know, at plus 850, for you gamblers out there. Carolina's two. Edmonton's three. The New Jersey Devils with my man Josh Harris driving the bus at four. And somehow Toronto, who never has any money in their wallet, going back to how long? At five. Why am I surprised here? Well, where are the defending champion Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been in the conversation, you know, pretty much since 2019? Neither one of them in the top five. So, of course, since we don't have an NHL correspondent yet to give us some insight, I throw up my hands, especially when you talk about the historic run that the Vegas Golden Knights went on. And I guess we aren't buying stock yet in what the Kraken did last year either. Just saying. Okay. The Wilt jersey that I was telling you about, it eventually sold for $4.9 million dollars. 
What do we say about that? We say, say what? Five million dollars for Wilt. So does that mean if we dig up a Bill, Ru a Bill Russell jersey from, let's say, you know, I don't know, pick any of those championships he won. But let's go with the 69 one, the last one that he put won with the Celtics. What's that going to be worth? Or is it going to be worth it? Or John Havlicek, who, by the way, we always talk about the GOATs, look at some of the, his career numbers versus Jordan's in terms of accomplishments, and you're like, going, but nobody ever talks about Hondo. What would his jersey be worth? You know, or Dr. J and some of his ABA glory. Sports memorabilia, the business, you got to love it. All right, folks, we're chugging right along here. We'll be back with a night full of diamonds when we return. Whimsical, whimsical, whimsical. All right, you know me. When it comes to the night full of diamonds, that dark star crashes. Always going to get my hippie love in before I actually start talking a little bit about what's going on in the real diamond. What do I got this week? Well, I'm excited because last night, the wake of the flood, 50th anniversary Super Deluxe Edition dropped. Got it by having a chance to listen to it. Gonna have to carve some time out after sports to like put the cans on. Pretty cool about that. What else do we got in hippie land that's interesting? Besides the Disco Biscuits having another week just killing it. And of course, Bob Weir, the major drummer, driving the bus. Still having shows played with Willie, I guess, at Farm Aid. And everybody was excited about all of that. Goose and Billy MF and strings, making people happy. Hey, you know, I miss the days of real fall tours, right? You know, when you know, the dead would just kind of like take over the universe. Or even Fish having a real live tour, you know. But hey, people have gotten older and the models have changed and stuff like that. All right, you know me and my hippie stuff. Let's talk some real Nightfall of Diamonds. You know, let's park the VW bus for a minute. Manfred. Well, well, well. He's got a couple of things going on here. The main thing here is he is hoping for a final vote approving the whole Vegas move for the Oakland Athletics to happen in November. So, as we get to the end of this sordid story, how do we feel about the faithful being left in the dust? Our friend of the show and who came on and did a good baseball preview for us in season one. Hope to get him back, but I know he's so busy. That's why I haven't yanked him. Hopefully we'll get our man Dave Winder to come on for us here in 2024. But nonetheless, man, Ben C. and many others, you know, who are still show up to the Coliseum, still have the love. I know I've talked about this many times and I'll probably talk about it again. You definitely feel for those folks, right? You know, you just feel like it's just a gut punch. 
And, you know, they're sitting there pulling the Harry Houdini, just like saying, yeah, I can take it. But kind of walking away, you know, and the, and the appendix bursts and it's all over with. And it is kind of sad, you know, when you get to the final lap of this. You really don't want to see other cities go through this, as we've talked about in previous weeks, the possibility of that happening. Very happy, as we talked about last week, that the situation in Tampa, St. Pete is finally resolved, which makes me think similar situations in Baltimore, Chicago, and Milwaukee will get resolved as well. Nobody wants to lose their club, obviously. As the great theologians said about, you know, when Brooklyn and New York left New New, New York Giants, I should say, left New York in 1958, into 57, they say, you know, it's probably harder in a community to lose its ball club than lose its church. And this is a theologian saying this. <sighs> okay. So, Mr. back to Mr. Manford. He says ending local blackouts is a top priority. Well, gee whiz, how about let's get into the second decade of the 20th century. The blackouts lasted beyond the 1970s and 80s is beyond me and what sense it ever made going back to the 50s when you started seeing that. Make it happen, Mr. Manfred. Mr. Manfred is also smiling. You know, as everybody kind of says, well, who cares about baseball? Well, apparently somebody does. This MLB posts its highest attendance number since 2017. So, well, then, with all the competition with MLS, NCAA women's basketball, WNBA, who also posted great numbers this year. It's a great time to be in the sporting life, folks. Okay, let's go around the league and see what we got. Let's talk about the Friars, shall we? The San Diego Padres, who know I favorite targets. A lot of talk over there, down there, close to being south of the border, but not quite south of the border. They scoff at reports that the team is suffering all sorts of dysfunction because they failed to get it done. Yes, they have a faint hope of catching the last ballot card spot, even though that's about to hop on the next bus and leave town without them. But yeah, it's kind of interesting, and I don't blame the organization for doing the pushback on this. You know, in terms of, you know, they have to like say something after all that flexing, and you know, there's all kinds of dysfunction with all those big egos they have. I know this from PSG. When you don't get things done, people start looking around the room like, "Well, they want me. What about your sorry ass?" Going to be interesting off season with that ball club. It really is, as far as their failure to get things done. Hey, they made a good run at the end, I'll give them that. Now, up the bay, I mean up the bay, but up the up the road and up the state to the bay, I should say, we haven't even had the, we haven't even had the adult beverages and we're just all over the place today. Hey, it's been a rough week here for us in the fox, foxhole, so bear with us, thank you as always for the support y'all give me. But yeah, in San Francisco, and I this is this came down because I had a completely different bullet point. The question originally was, does the giant do the Giants clean house after this another disappointing season where they 
Bills are reaching the postseason? Or do they stay the course? Well, Mr. Kepler is on his way out, fired while we, the news of it while we're doing this podcast. So I haven't had time to unpack it there. It seemed like they were going to give you know, management another roll of the dice, but apparently not. Because, you know, the Dodgers constantly winning it. And the success that the Giants had last decade, as I've brought up in recent podcasts, that people are getting a little cranky, have expectations, don't want to go out to Oracle Park as much. And convention, you know, now we see it, you know, it's time to go a different direction. Not shocking there. Okay. Staying out west. I got some props to my man, Freddie Freeman of, of the Dodgers. You know, you know, I mean, he's a lot of great storylines this year, but quietly, you know, like Mr. Acuna Jr. putting up some numbers. I mean, look at this line for Freddie Freeman. 200 hits, 100 ribbies in 2020. Not bad, right? Hopefully that translates into something in the postseason as the Dodgers try to get a little bit more than just having a COVID championship in this great run of endless division titles. Okay, how about the Orioles, as I talked about earlier? Not only do they clinch, but they win the first, they win 100 times for the first time since 1980. You know, we're talking like, you know, Jim Palmer and Earl Weaver and stuff like that. So that's been a long time, you know, know, four decades. Props to them for a successful season, you know, battling it out with the Rays. Can't wait to see what they do in the postseason, but very exciting times, especially for a club that had 200 lost seasons here in the past three or four years, you know, kind of stacked back-to-back or close together. Red Sox being disappointment, eating in the cellar, GM being fired. But Alex Cora says in spite of a poor season, he doesn't think he's going to get fired and he should return in 2024. We'll see how management feels about that. Because the Red Sox and their brass, you know they cannot like being in the cellar and not being part of the postseason party. Now, their rivals, their longtime rivals, the New York Yankees, at 80 and 77, missing the postseason. But the question is here is this a failure or their ability to turn around what was a dumpster fire? even in August, to get back over 500 and kind of contend at the end, is that a, a sign of resilience that could bear fruit in 2024? And I'm going to go with the latter. Normally, I would say this would fall somewhere in between, but I do think this is something that you could build on. I mean, good crap. A judge has, like, you know, almost 40 home runs, and, geez, he probably missed a third of the season. So, and some of the other, you know, people that stepped up, especially late, yeah, I think this is more a side of resilience they can, that will bear fruit next year than this being a bust of a season for the pinstripes. Okay. The Brew Crew, they complete the journey. They won the Central. Nobody really thinks about the Central. A lot of crazy stuff going on there with the rainouts, so we don't know what's going to happen with the Cubbies and the Marlins as far as the wild card is concerned. Big weekend as far as that goes. Astros and the Mariners and the Jays battling it out to the bitter end. Mariners, I guess, are one game away from clinching a spot. You know, the Rangers may be on the outside looking in. 
who knows about that? Okay. And you have ESPN. You know, they're the smart guys there as far as the Baseball Tonight crew put their heads together. And they think the Twins and the Brew Crew, which we talked about the Twins a few weeks ago, we've talked about Milwaukee in recent weeks, they are the best bets to make a surprise splash in the postseason. Do we believe that? Actually, we don't. So my record is saying, okay, glad you guys think so, but I'm going to say, nah. Then a couple of weeks from now, I may be eating crow. We shall see. Okay, we'll leave you with this one. I always pick on the Padres, but let's ask another question. What is the sadder outcome? The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim at 71 and 87, or the New York Metropolitans at 72 and 85? Boy, I had to think real long and hard, especially given how much money Mr. Cohen has spent. I think the, uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are the sadder story and the sadder outcome. Because even though the Mets stumble like the Padres, more than likely there are brighter days ahead. And there are moves that can be made. You know, the Mets just brought in a new GM. Mr. Cohen's got deep pockets. So you know the possibility of making the adjustments. The Angels, on the other hand, are probably, you know, Mr. Otani, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. You're going to think Mr. Trout, when he sits down and talks with the brass here at the exit meetings that the, you know, players and teams have, he's going to probably say, well, hell, if you say uh, you, you, that, you, that I can seek a trade, I'm going to seek a trade. So, yeah, this is a much sadder outcome we talked about, you know, two and a half months ago when we were pushing for the Angels to move Otani and get assets, but they were still viable. And now at 71 and 87, yeah, and you have to think things are going to get a lot bleaker in 2024 for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Okay, folks, that's what's going on in Nightfall of Diamonds. We're blasting through this. We'll be back with some beautiful game life when we return. on a fantastic Friday, TGIF in it. Do some beautiful game life. Just saw the ticker that my man CR7 gets the game winner. A penalty kick in like the 87th minute. Bully for him. <laughs> Alright, give me a second here to adjust. So, let's, let's talk some beautiful game life. Well, 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 we'll start off with the MLS. Normally, we, in, in the past, we're always talking about Europe, but see that Messi FC has made the MLS the talk of the town. It gets top billing all of a sudden in this podcast. Where should we start off with? Let's talk about Timbers Till I Die. Well, 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 maybe Geo wasn't the answer. It's the Timbers when they're fourth straight. They're now safely above the playoff line and looking stronger every week. 
If you're in the West, should you be concerned about their rise? Yes, you should be. Along with the Galaxy, as they continue their late heroics, another game where they're down two goals and somehow rally to get a draw in a game that was affected by the weather that ran very late on Sunday night. However, unlike the Timbers, who are getting three points, the Galaxy are getting one. And all right, folks, draws ain't going to cut it. So it's, what has the Galaxy have been to watch, as much as that may be to my chagrin? Better start winning some games, or you ain't going to be in the playoffs. Okay. So you had the Union and LAFC playing to a 0-0 draw. Union and FC Dallas had a draw midweek, so the Union kind of stumbling. Then you have Messi, FC, and Leo sitting, and then failing to take all three points in Orlando. And then you have the Open Cup that Messi also sat. And lo and behold, Houston, a team that's been quietly playing well in the second half of the season, shocking Messi, FC, and winning the U.S. Open Cup. They're one of my favorite competitions in all of America. And they were the better team. Yes, Messi FC made it interesting with the goal and stoppage time by Joseph Martinez. But in the end, give Houston props. Defended well. The passing was crisp. They were definitely the better team. Probably could have had three or four more goals. Yeah, you know, you see the Messi's expression said it all. They don't get to take another cup. And, you know, I can't say I shouldn't a tear about it. But, hey, give CBS and Paramount props for the kind of hype and fantastic coverage in the end of that. It's a good time. Of course, maybe not so much for Inter-Miami fans. I mean, they'll live not winning the Open Cup, not diminishing the Open Cup at all. But it's been a magical run since Leo came to America and made Inter-Miami, Mr. Beckham, you know, very happy, not alone being relevant. That said, sticker shock. The renewals came out the day after the Open Cup, and fans are reporting on Twitter about their season ticket renewals being four or five times higher. In fact, one guy who paid six grand, I believe, for his seat in 2023, which I'm like going, yeah, that's, that's a chink of change. They're expected to pay 30K in 2024. Boy, that instant gratification and money grab. What happens when Messi goes away and you've got people paying all this money? You better be able to attract some frontline tickets. I mean, not frontline tickets, frontline talent, or prices are going to scale back in another one of these moments in time where insanity truly is king and queen. Yeah, 30K. So you can see Messi. I met this lovely uh, lady that I talked to. Oh, I nothing you know, like that, folks. Just cool, cool lady that I talk a little beautiful game life with. Who I met on Instagram. She's from Miami, and she's like, "Well, I'm not really a big Miami fan, but I do hope if you ever do come to see them, you'll come visit me, and we'll go out to the Chinese restaurant that she says is the bomb." And I was sitting there giggling. I'm like, "Good." Yeah, and this is even before I knew about the season renewal price, season ticket renewal prices. And like, really? Like, I could even if I could, you know, get a flight to South Beach, 
like I could afford the king's ransom, it would be to go see Messi at this point. <sighs> yeah, I know. Okay. On the same night as the U.S. Open Cup, we also had the funnel for the Campions Cup. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Another one of those money grabs, you know, with MLS and Liga MX. With the League's Cup, this is kind of an irrelevant competition, but it was still an entertaining matchup with LAFC and Tigris. Yes, LAFC fails to get it done again on the big stage, other than winning the MLS Cup last year. And, of course, losing to another Liga MX side in a very controversial fashion, as the refs, like with Monterey in the League's Cup, seem to factor in. I am, I'm kind of sour about this one, but I kind of agree with what a wise LAFC pundit who has his own podcast as well kind of said that, yeah, in the Monterey and now this match with Tigris, yes, the referees played more of a factor than they should have, but it's LAFC's fault for allowing the referees to, to factor in the outcome. And this thing ended up 0-0 with the penalties and LAFC's two of their penalty takers, some of the most weak, limp dick, feeble <laughs> garbage you'll ever see as far as penalty kicks. And so Tigris wins 4-2 on penalty kicks and LAFC now in another competition. That's three this year so far come away. Now somehow they have to defend their crown and the way they're playing because last time I checked, they have not scored, I think, in now three matches. Yeah. Troubling times in South LA. Okay. Enough MLS. Let me flip it over to what's going on in Europe. So Los Blancos getting knocked from their unbeaten perch after riding high in the Madrid Derby. The man in black, Mr. Simeone and company, taking care of business and bringing Los Blancos, also known as Real Madrid, back to earth. We had La Classique on Sunday as well. La Classique, PSG, and Olympic Marseille. Mbappe gets hurt early. He has to exit with a leg injury. No big deal. But it is a big deal in the sense that PSG blitzes their rivals. And if Mbappe leaves, if this is in the, in, any indication, PSG will be fine. With some of the new signings, the robust, the robust midfield without Marco Verratti, you know, who's in Qatar. Yeah. It may be a work in progress all season for the Parisians. But I tell you, they got something going there. My bias... Aside, but then again, a typical PSG fashion can all blow up because anytime you say something positive like this, it could come back to haunt you. But for, for now, PSG looked pretty good, especially the rivals 4 0. Yeah, the scenes outside with the ultras and all that stuff, very cool. Makes you forget about the crappy loss in Nice for sure. Great week for them, also taking out Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. Oh, Manchester City and Mr. Halan continue to bulldoze the opposition. They're 6-0. Mr. Halan dropping goals, you know, like people winning jackpots in, in Vegas, right? The coin's just coming down. That's how he's running down goals. Not a shocker there. Not a shocker, really, with Mr. Bowley and company. 
Chelsea. I mean, it's just they're stinking like the poopiest diaper. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Mr. Pochettino, who seemed to be a great coach with the Spurs. Now all of a sudden can't seem to like do anything right, whether it's PSG or here. But yeah, Chelsea, you know, even with all the money that's been pumped in there by the American owner, part owner of the Dodgers, Mr. Todd B and company, yeah, it's not good. Okay. So as far as the USA is concerned, the United States national men's team, apparently GB and Mr. Reyna are ready to move on. Do we believe this petty BS is over? Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, it's time to really start thinking about 2026 and making a better showing than we had in the last World Cup. Not that it was a horrible, but we want to build on that. And if GB is driving the bus, well, let's get rid of all the petty stuff and let's just focus on putting out the best team we can moving forward. Not rocket science. Okay, lastly, Megan R. has her curtain call. We have plenty to say about that, or we don't. In the USA's 2-0 win over the Republic of South Africa. RSA. Yeah, you know, she's a legend, okay? Like her or hate her. You know, there, you know obviously, some of the outkick and MAGA hats had plenty to diss her about. And she made it easy for them by saying her activism was more important than anything she's ever done on the field. Which, what did we say in the foxhole? What you did on the field gave you a, a chance to be an activist because otherwise no one would even known who the hell you were. So, yeah, you didn't win too many points with me on that one. But I'm not here to bash her, okay? It's like, you got your curtain call, you're off to hopefully, you know, continue your activism, making a difference, making a better place for everybody. And that becomes more of a story than all the haters finding reasons why you had no money in your wallet in this last World Cup and dancing all over you. That can be all in the past if you know you put your actions where your mouth has been all along, right? And that's just, you know, not saying that in any derogatory way, but that's what she should do. Forget about being a broadcaster, be an activist, do something like Mr. Seven should be focusing on as opposed to wanting back on the league. But we'll get to that when we get to the NFL report. But yeah, so props to you, Megan R. Props to you, Julie. Now, now it's time for the United States women's national team to turn the page and get on the fast track to redemption. Okay, we'll be back with the beautiful, not the beautiful game life, but the NBA beat when we return. Boy, we're having trouble today. to the foxhole season six episode 17 177 overall for those of you keeping score at home 
Yeah. What a week it's been. We're getting closer. We're like about a month away from the fun really kicking off as far as the association goes. We got a bunch of fireworks this week. The week started where the word on the street was Dame Delahalla. That's right. Damien Lillard was heading to Toronto. Only to find out that the next day, a shocker blockbuster trade sees Dame pairing up with the freak. Giannis, really known as Giannis. Yeah. Aiton going to Portland. No telling who where Drew Holiday is going to go after the day before this trade said he wanted to be a buck for life. So much for that. There'll be a lot of people looking you know, to, get, to add Mr. Holiday as an add-on. But the big story is Dame Delahalla going to the Midwest. I didn't see that coming, and I probably should have in terms of what would be a good landing spot. But because he was so fixated with Portland, and not Portland, excuse me, Miami, all sorts of talk about you know how cranky he was where it's like, if you can't make it to Miami, I wanted to come back. But the Portland Brass say, no, dude, you crossed the Rubicon. You know, we're moving you. And it's interesting because now you have to wonder about the freak who has put the overtures out there that his future in Milwaukee might not be long. They've gone from, well, you want one, but we're not sure you're going to win another one, to they are favorites now. Everybody's talking Dude, this is, this is an NBA championship team, especially with the pieces they have. And, and getting Dames, you know, 32, 33 points a game. What does the Fox all say? I'm not so sold quite yet. It's an intriguing pairing, though, and one we didn't see coming. So we don't really have the time yet to sort of, you know, really contemplate what this actually means. And what that's actually going to look like. I mean, the initial sense is, yeah, the Bucks could be serious business. Or they could be, well, they're good, but he ain't that good. Well, the NBA just got a hell of a lot more interesting now, didn't it? Believe me, as more data comes out in the next week and the dust settles, we'll have some deeper analysis. But yeah, this is, this is very interesting. Good for Dame. I thought the Blazer fans on the way out as far as social media, very um, nice, right? Gave him, you know, their heartfelt farewells. No, you know, people sad, but no, no, none of the battery assets that I thought might come given how this whole I want out played out. But hey, cool. More about that. In the weeks to come. Okay. Now you got Paul Pierce. Yeah, that Paul Pierce who, you know, set his TV career on fire by getting too freaky and posting it to social media. Well, you got to stay relevant somehow. So what's the best way to stay relevant? Take a shot at LeBron. Pierce says LeBron is not a top five player. And like, here we go again with people always using LeBron to get themselves another 15 seconds of fame. 
Really? Now, I mean, you can debate all you want about, you know, when it comes to the top 10, it, it, it is tough. You have a lot of great players. I was mentioning John Havlicek earlier, how that guy gets no love, and that dude was a stone-cold baller. But, you know, LeBron, obviously being able to pass Kareem, yes, and playing in all those finals, not winning as many as he probably should have, but it's not like he was losing to a bunch of chump teams, mind you, okay? So, I don't know, Paul Pierce. I think your bitterness about getting your butt kicked by him a few times and, you know, whatever went down in all those years is still affecting you. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm going to tell you not, but it's just like, wow, you always have to, like, sit there and try to take a stab. And, you know, I do have some bias with that little phony bullshit you pulled in the 2008 finals. Glad for Lamar Odom kind of calling the Celtics and their fans out in Pierce for being jerks. And his greatest moment in life was getting redemption in 2010. Happy for you, Mr. Lamar, sweet and low. But, you know, all that aside, but it's just like, okay. You know, your podcast and your homies all hanging out in the barbershop. You got to get your digs in. We'll just let it slide with that. Okay. The Mavericks making all kinds of news. Speaking of, you know, Mark Cuban coming out and saying, you know, T-Sizzle should date one of his players if she really wants to put some shine to her life. Hey, we look out for your players. I don't know. I think this whole thing with Kelsey's giving her all the attention she needs. But Luca's saying that forging chemistry with Kyrie is happening. And the Mavs will get better. Do we actually believe that? Well, the answer to that would be, I don't know. If this reform Kyrie continues to go along the path of less flash, more basketball, sure. But one thing we know about Kyrie, oh Kyrie, is how long will it be before he is who he always will be? Now, if I'm wrong on that, I'll gladly admit it. But given that he's got a long track record that suggests otherwise, we shall see. Whew. Okay. I guess perhaps winning time does have nine lives. Apparently, it's creators, like I said, you know, Netflix or Showtime, they're already shopping the continuation of what's already been at HBO to the particular networks, and we shall see what happens. You know, my odds are that I'm going to go with, yeah, it's going to resurrect itself somewhere. So all you people who talk shit about it and all of a sudden cried like babies when HBO pulled the plug, you're going to get a reprieve, it looks like. Yeah, okay. Um, now, it's kind of interesting because the Dame Dollar Holler trade kind of like blew up everything. And pretty much that, you know, such a central storyline. Not much was being made of Magic Johnson, you know, owner of the Dodgers, or part owner of the Dodgers, LAFC, the Sparks, you know, the Washington Commanders, obviously, possibly wanting a stake of the Knicks. I thought, well, that could be interesting, but then reality sunk in. Are you you really believe he would want to be part of the shit show that Mr. Dolan and the MSG you know, brass have 
perpetuated all these years with that club? Me thinks no, right? I know magic has a way of getting involved with successful endeavors, but man, I gotta think, no, I, I don't see this. I would be surprised if magic does get some ownership with the Knicks. Be cool for the Knicks, because you know, the kind of buzz, I mean, it's really been good for the commanders in terms of, you know, the positive energy and the people that he's able to like bring to the games and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously the Dodgers, LAFC, you know, the success that's happened there, can't argue with that. Okay. So, in the no surprise, their department for this week, Mr. Wimbiyama, gonna play for Paris, gonna play for France in the Paris Olympics. Like, duh, your home country, big platform for you. Question is, is it gonna be enough to make France viable? Because we all know the USA is bringing the big dogs after its recent stubble in the FIBA championships. Hey, another storyline, so we got no complaints there. Okay, let's flip to the WNBA. How about the Liberty and the Connecticut Sun? This is an interesting series. The Liberty, you know, the Darlings to unseat the Aces, to lose game one, bounce back to game two, to win game two. So this is going to be a dogfight of a series. Meanwhile, the Aces are cruising right now. Miss Wilson kind of kind of stewing that she finished third in the MVP, but they're cruising over Dallas 2-0. Speaking of the MVP, no surprise that B. Stew adds to her collection of trophies and accolades, winning the WNBA MVP. Cool for her. I said earlier that you know the WNBA posted the highest rating numbers in the league's 22-year history. So that's a very positive sign in terms of being able to get away from sucking the NBA's tip for its survival, that you have creative viability. And this was something we said had to happen, you know, with some of the fresh faces who are coming through the pipeline, like our girl Sabrina I and others to follow, like Miss Clark and Miss Reese. Yeah, good things going on there. In fact, the WNBA is looking to expand that the Bay Area. All right, and the Warriors being, you know, the, the sole motivator. So there's going to be a WNBA team in the in the coming online. I'm not sure if that's going to happen next season, or whether it's going to be in 2025. But as you say, it's happening, y'all. All right, folks, looking forward to the next couple of weeks as we get closer to another amazing season in the NBA and also college basketball as well. Fun times, you know. Like I said earlier be part of the sporting life. All right, we'll be back with an incendiary, a closer look when we return. Welcome back to Fox Road in a Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Time to opinionate, editorialize, definitely talk a lot of trash. A closer look. Well, well, well. What are we going to talk about this week? Well, you damn know what we're about to talk about. 
And the, one bullet point here, how one afternoon in Eugene, where this podcast originates from, drove the sports social media over the edge. Yes, indeed, folks. That Colorado and Mr. Dion Primetime Sanders came to town. As I told you last week, a lot of folks selling wolf tickets thinking the Buffaloes could come in to Eugene and get the upset. You got Dan Lanning coming on before the game and letting cameras film him and, you know, basically saying, you know, we're about the substance here. We play for wins, not for clicks. Buffaloes. Disrespecting the O before the game and talking shit to Duck fans and players. And not surprisingly, the Ducks go in there and lay the proverbial foot up the ass of the Buffaloes, 42 to 6. Not a surprise. We knew the, the, that this smoke and mirrors that Colorado has in year one of what Dion's doing, once they face the team... It wasn't going to be intimidated by all that. Yeah, this was a predictable result. But what I didn't expect was all the nuttiness that followed. I mean, it just became a tug-of-war with the Dion jock riders and the haters. And a lot of times it got pretty ugly as, as far as folks feeling the need once again to like stand up and protect Dion like that mofo needs anybody to have his back. I mean, the jocks coming to his defense. Ryan Clark basically saying what Dan Lanning said was racist and, you know, disrespectful to what Dion's doing. And everybody like, hey, you're talking about him that was 1-11. People, shut the F up about that. This is nowhere near the team that was 1-11. Thanks to the transfer portal, he could bring in a team that is somewhat competitive. We'll see about what happens when USC comes to town tomorrow morning. But, you know, that's another, we'll get to that. But what I didn't get, people like Keyshawn Johnson feeling all of this, coming out and saying that he got word from his insiders that coaches around the country were feeding Oregon information and tips on how to stop Colorado and beat them. Well, not the that's still a line from Mark Furman in the legendary OJ in America documentary, but do you realize how stupid that sounds? As much as people dance with glee every time Oregon stumbles, and the amount of jealousy and downright dislike they have for the swoosh and what Phil Knight's money has been able to do to make Oregon relevant over the last two and a half decades, that anybody would take the time to help Oregon with anything. Keyshawn, you got to be ashamed of yourself. And the sad thing about it is all these people took a hook, line, and sinker, like Mark Furman said about him and the whole thing that, you know, Shapiro came, you know, with, with defense that ultimately got OJ acquitted. It's the same thing with people just kind of running with it like one, yeah, okay. And... You know, it just like use your common sense here, folks, or maybe you don't have any. That was just one thing. I mean, props to the landing for coming out and saying, giving Dion credit to what he's doing for college football. I don't know if I want to go that far because I think college football is going to be big without Dion's presence. 
Right. But the fact that he, you know, the, the, the ratings that Colorado's getting, yes, he's moving the needle. And like Landon said, hey, man, you know, when it comes to firing up my team, if I was playing my 10-year-old, I'd do whatever it took to get my team fired up. So no problems there. People hating on him. And yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing, making sure that clip got out there. He knew that they were going to boat race them. And hey, it's fun. As I said earlier, all these coaches now getting going for their sound bites, so that's fine. But then, you know, this week is just meandered. I mean, we had undisputed and speak on the campus of CU, which I thought was just, you know, insane. You should have been here at Eugene, but you probably knew that the Ducks were going to kick your ass. Whereas SC's defense should have a fighter's chance. You got knuckleheads like Skip Bayless pushing a narrative that Colorado was all of a sudden black America's team. You know how stupid that sounds. This isn't 1947 when Jackie Robinson, you know, came in the league followed by Roy Campolella and a few other folks like Junior Gilliam, Joe Black, where, yeah, you know, the Dodgers had four or five African-Americans, and at a time when a lot of the country was still segregated, yes, you could say there was an America, that there was a black America had a team. You know, there's over the time, there's been many African-Americans who've liked teams like the Cowboys and the Raiders. But the idea that this CU team is all of a sudden black America's team, to me, that is one of the more disrespectful comments that's sort of like, oh, well, because... All of the athletes and hip-hop artists go to their games that all black people follow that kind of nonsense. It's just, you know, it's that sort of racist thing that you think is the right thing and, a, and you know, a cool, notable thing to say. And everybody taking a run and they're like, yeah, black America has a team. It's just right, like, like such monolithic thought that would exist you know, among, right? It's, it's so insulting, it makes my head ex explode. Yes, it's cool, and like, what did Skip say yesterday? Half the NBA is going to be at the game tomorrow? Okay, so half the NBA is going to be there. Does that mean I care about Kevin Garnett? Because Kevin Garnett, you know, is a Celtic. So does that mean because Kevin Garnett wants to follow Colorado? Or and and Dion and all this nonsense. <sighs> okay, let me get too far with that. And you know, Dion, you better get me now. Better get me now. Well, you know what? The future tells a lot of things, and we don't have a crystal ball. But I do know the Pac-12 is pretty tough, and there are more ass whippings coming. This whole idea of like, yeah, man, you know, wait till he gets his players. Other schools have got NIL money too. You know, whatever money is being pumped in the boulder, you don't think these other schools are seeing it? Now, this whole talk about Dion skipping the line, you know, going the route that Jason Whitlock and others, whatever the case may be, people who haven't paid their dues as far as the whole coaching thing is concerned, it happens all the time. And, you know, and to be fair here, that there is something to this whole Dion thing because there aren't, you know, that many African-American coaches. So, yeah, he's moving the needle and the success that he has had, you know, artificial as it is compared to, you know, 
had this been done in the old model, but you know, that's the, you work with the hand that's been given to you. And it's been a pretty good hand with the transfer portal and NIL to be able to, to lure top caliber talent. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not, you know, and the idea that, as I said over and over on this podcast, right, the structure that allows people to get into the coaching fraternity and how that has to be altered to let more people from all walks get involved as far as the tutelage and all the things you need to know to join that club. Yeah, I think that still holds true. And that's why you don't have a lot of African-American coaches, as I've pointed out before. So to see someone out there and have instant success, sure, all kinds of people are going to hop on that bandwagon and overreact. You know, they're three and one heading into USC tomorrow. So until the train hits the skids, sure. It's, you know, even though Dan Lennox said the Cinderella story ends here, maybe not, you know, right? In terms of what they can still accomplish. Did anybody think they were going to win a national championship in year one? No, they didn't. And hallelujah to Oregon to sort of like knock a big hole in that. I don't know with SC's defense. I think SC should win by 30 regardless because I do not have that much respect for this Colorado team. I do have a lot of respect for the fact that Dion could go from Jackson State to Colorado and inject life into what was a dead program. But this jock-sniffing and love affair that you can't criticize Dion when you're a racist, that bull jive's got to go. All right? If we can be happy when Saban, the Yankees, or the Lakers lose, we can be happy about Dion and, and Colorado and Sador taking a big fat L. When you get all the attention, yes, people are going to do a jig when you lose. And they see people like RG me being like, man, this is so sad and so hurtful about people celebrating it. Nothing racist about it. And the idea of how toxic social media became in the hours and the days following Oregon's thrashing of the Buffaloes, very sad commentary in the same way what happened in the NCAA with LSU and Iowa and Miss Reese and Caitlin and you know, Miss Clark, right? This was a similar moment in time. And we got to be better than that. You know, yeah, you can enjoy people losing and not everything has to be so racist. And you're right. You can sit there and pull for what Dion's doing and at the same time, enjoy the hell out of any time they lose because of people like the Skip Baylesses and Stephen A's and just ESPN in general constantly writing his nards. So... Anyways, I can sit here and talk for the next hour about this, and who knows, this may have to expand into next week, depending on what happens at SC, or happens at Boulder with SC coming to town. But we'll pull away from that, because we got to like get us out of here and get ready for the Beavers. So we're going to come back with the NFL report. See you on the other side.
Winding things down on a fabulous Friday. TGIF in it. Fox Trek in the Foxhole. Episode 177. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here. Time for the No Fun League Report. Where shall we start? Boy, there's a lot to talk about, as there is every week in the National Football League. Let's start out with Cap the Kook. It's been a while since I've had a chance to take a few shots at my man, Cap 7. And to the point where I don't like to pile on, but this nonsense of him pinning a letter and having one of his rapper buddies drop it to the public, to the Jets, about he'd be grateful to be on the practice squad. Well, you know, I think Charlemagne the Great said it best. He said it was pathetic and said, dude, you're above begging a league that you called slave owners and racists for a job at this point when you're 35 and you haven't played since 2016. Just like, leave it alone. It just, it, it is sad. Sure, it gives certain people like the Jamel Hills and others two minutes of visibility when otherwise nobody gives an F about what they say or do at this point in their careers. But it's just, it, it's so pointless. You had your opportunity when you had the tryout. You sabotaged it. You sabotaged your whole thing with, by going the, this route. In the end, bringing out, you know, the injustices with police brutality. Can't fault you for that. Can't say he was wrong about it. The timing may be questionable. But his actions ever since then, especially some of the things he's had to say about the establishment in the league, it makes you wonder and how hard he keeps trying to say, hey, I'm a, a good teammate, I'm all of this. The CFL says, hey, they're interested, but he doesn't want it to, at least from what I can see, wants no part of that. So I don't know what the end game is here other than every time there's a opportunity created by injury or poor play, hey, well, what about me? Well, what about you? Nobody effing cares at this point. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but speaking of one of the play with the Jets, that was kind of funny. The legendary Broadway Joe, once and always a legend, you know, as far as the Jets only sip of the champagne, dropping the nukes after the Jets dropped a pretty ugly game to the Patriots, 15 to 10, basically calling out Salah and say, hey, you all need to move up on from this guy as quickly as possible. I brought in Trevor Simeon. We'll see what happens there. I can't, you know, Broadway Joe, even if you think you're, you're senile like Lou and Corso and your moment in the sun was long ago because he gave the Jets that magic moment, he's always going to have, you know, license to say whatever the hell he wants. And, you know, based on what we're seeing of that pretty good defense, is he lying? Okay, the Browns, rolling right now. Forget about that Steelers loss. They take off the Titans, and I have to wonder about the Titans. 27-3, I mean, apparently, you know, Deshaun's banged up and might not be able to play this week, but the Browns, another team with a pretty solid defense. Hey, look out, you know, they may be the team in the Central. Okay. Denver, doing something that very few teams have done in this lifetime, giving up a 70-burger. 
You know how harsh I was on Sean Payton. You know how harsh I've been on Russ cooking. All deserved. How do you give up a 70 burger in the No Fun League? I mean, this isn't even getting butt boat raced, right? It just Sean Payton and your Super Bowl pedigree, that's kind of out the window. There's a lot of football left, but what we've seen last week with the with the Dolphins, then the collapse against the Commanders, yeah. This could get ugly in Denver quicker than you can say Jack Kemp. Notice I threw that AFL reference in there. <laughs> okay. They have the Cowboys. Now, we talked about the big injury last week. We wondered what kind of impact that would have in terms of their mental stability. Well, now we saw. Yes, folks, the Cardinals are not a bad team. I tried to tell you that all, tell all of you that after week one. And then, you know, the collapse against the Giants, who aren't as bad as people think they are. I know the Cowboys have had a lot of trouble beating the Cardinals over this past decade, but nonetheless, the Cowboys not being able to get it done. And coming back to reality, is it the end of the world and Dallas isn't a uh, continued NFC? Hell no. These things are going to happen. Teams have your number, but... You know, for all you folks that like to ride the Cowboys jocks, we talked about the star always shines bright in Big D. You got sent back to reality, and you know, as the movie says, any given Sunday, if you don't come prepared, you might get your ass handed to you. Now, I know a lot of people think the Patriots are going to beat them this week. I don't quite see that. Okay. It was all fun for me and my commanders. Sorry, Brian P. and you all you other folks out there. Oh, I'm still holding out the hope that the Redskins' name is going to come back. Well, it wouldn't have mattered if they were the Redskins, Red Wolves, Red Tails, or, or football team. In front of a soul help house, fans excited again. The Bills, 37-3, thrash Washington. And Sam Howell, who was a great story, not quite Brock Purdy yet, but was on his way to getting there, well, yeah, he took his first loss and spent a, most of the day either avoiding Buffalo rushers or kissing the turf. Is it the end of the world for the commanders? Of course not. You know, they can get redemption because they have a big conference, a divisional mashup with the Eagles, although I just don't see after that performance on Sunday how they, how they have a, a chance of beating the Eagles in Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. The Packers. Woo-hoo. We got a lot to say about them. So first, Carr gets dinged up. Lo and behold, every time it seems like Mr. Carr, on a, on a magical run, gets hurt. Something happens to him. He gets hurt. I think he's going to play this week. But the Saints lose a game they should have won to a Packers team. You know, missing that late field goal, who I still didn't think were all that. And then last night, it came to fruition, the Lions beating the brakes off of them. Yeah, the love train came to a real end last night. You know, the Lions, you know, had already gotten their mojo back, sending the Dirty Birds back to reality after their, after their quick start, you know, and now we have to wonder if the Falcons are all that. But the Lions, they are all that. The Packers, after what I saw last night, no. Now, as they asked Kornheiser and Wilbon, 
Do we think the Lions are elite? No, I'm still going to stick what I've been saying all along. The Lions can turn into who they are. You have to take them serious right now, but there's a lot of football left. And if anything happens to Goff, which is highly possible, don't wish that on it. I'm not trying to jinx I'm just saying, let's not get carried away in week four. The early returns are pretty good if you are a fan of the Honolulu Blue. As Goff said, we can beat anybody. Well, I don't know about that, but you guys are looking pretty tough, and you got to win over the Chiefs. That's, that's saying something. And beating the brakes off of the Packers and Lambeau, no matter how fraudulent I think they are. Okay. You know, we'll just take that loss in the Seahawks as an aberration. But I'm not ready to go Dennis Green and crown them yet. Okay? I think there's a lot of football left. But, as I said, if you're a fan of the Honolulu Blue, things are looking very good right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How about the Vikings? 0-3, and they find a way to keep the hot flame from consuming Mr. Brandon Staley. There's a lot of questionable stuff at the end of that game, but somehow our, our man Herbie and company get the narrow win. A lot of finger pointing with the Vikings, especially given the year that they had last year. But we did tell you when we looked in the crystal ball in the offseason, this would be one of those teams that was going to take a step back. How much of a step back do the Vikes take? It's a good question. But they are 0-3. And let me tell you, honey, 0-3 is not a place to be in the no-fun league. Okay, the Bears are just horrible. Okay, they're just horrible. I mean, I really... Nervous about next Thursday night's game with the Commanders having to play the Eagles, then get the Bears at home. But, you know, Mr. Fields and his cookies, yeah, I, you know, Casey, okay, so it was, what, 41-3? to Kind of expected, but how bad they have looked thus far, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. And, of course, they're playing the Broncos and the Bay of Pigs, you know, or the field of pigs in this case, is there's really no pigs to talk about. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that one next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Chiefs find way, more ways to be annoying with this whole thing with T-Sizzle and all the other nonsense, right? They just, right, week by week, they just become a team. They're just like, you know, I don't know if I hate them or not. You know, I am from Kansas City, but I'm a Washington fan. But I do find them to be very, very annoying, more and more by the week. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Speaking of the Eagles, they take the, the Indo and smoke the Baker Bowl. Okay? I think this all this talk about Baker stepping in for Tom Terrific and getting the Buccaneers, you know, to be among the NFC's good teams, that's in doubt because we know what the Eagles are. I mean, and the Eagles are among the best. The Bucks, I would say not so sure. Baker, after looking pretty solid, you know, the Eagles do have a hell of a defense, but still with, you know, Skip and some of the other people fluffing him up, yeah, reality doesn't taste good. <laughs> I can tell you that. Then in the other Monday night game, because we had another doubleheader, people getting cranky because we're not having enough games in the afternoon with that extra game, you know, early in the season. Stop complaining. Having two games to watch on Monday night is cool. You'll get your full fill of football regardless. Yeah, but Limpy Joe Burrow rallying the Bengals past the Rams. A lot to complain 
contemplate here. The Rams being not so good despite that early win against the Seahawks. Now, you know, we've got to have tape of this Rams game and losing a game where it seemed like Bengal fans traveling from Cincinnati or transplants in the L.A. metro area basically making all that noise in SoFi. You Rams fans ought to be a fucking shame of yourselves letting that happen. But hey, this is a new reality where, hey, you got the money? Yeah, you can have my seat. <laughs> but yeah, the Bengals, obviously 0-3, as I said, ain't the place to be. Getting off the turf. Now both teams at 1-2. and two. But I think the Bengals 1-2 and two looks a lot better than the Rams 1-2. and two. The Rams just don't look like they have it. And maybe Mr. McVay should have taken that job with Amazon when the opportunity presented itself. Mr. Stroud arrives, gets a big win, looking like why he was one of the uh, early picks in the draft. We have to look at Goldilocks. That's right, Mr. T-Law and the Jags. Once again, a spot where they should look better, but maybe that loss to Kansas City took a little air out of their sails, but you shouldn't be losing to the Texans. Can't wait to see you know, if Mr. Stroud builds on this. And the Texans, right, and Mr. Ryan's and company are better than what we thought they would be. That could be a fantastic story. Now, what is a fantastic story is Mr. Minshew coming in relief of the concussed Anthony Richardson and getting a big win against the battered Ravens. The Ravens with all their injuries, but still, you can't beat the Colts. Come on, Lamar and company. But, you know, that said... They are really banged up, and they may sustain some losses while they try to get healthy here. A lot of injuries that they're experiencing. Okay. What stays in Vegas ain't wins, because the Steelers edge the Raiders. Lots to unpack here with some of the questions with the Raiders. Now Jimmy G's concussed. You got the whole thing with Devontae Adams pissed. Chandler Jones getting arrested. Yeah, it's just a real dumpster fire with the with the Raiders. But did not did we not predict that when we looked at the crystal ball in the summer when I was doing my previews? I didn't think it was gonna be this. But I tell you one thing, you Mark Davis ain't singing Viva Las Vegas right now. Not that AB loves his home, but the team and the product complete dysfunctional. The Raiders being the Raiders, the difference being this ain't Al Davis's and John Madden and Tom Flores as Raiders. This is like, yeah. Or, or even John Gruden, you know, when they when they almost want a ring. Yeah, it's not good. All right, folks. Let's do it. It's that time to break out the stainless steel bowls of the stinky, smelliest varieties. TMCA time. Yes, our weekly travel of reviewing folks in the sports world whose deeds or just them being who they are, earn TMCA awards. Where do I start? Well, 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 we're going to give two XLs to Ryan Clark and Keyshawn. Ryan Clark, really coming out and talking about Lanning being disrespectful and degrading what Dion's doing. You jocks all trying to protect each other is one of the most nauseating things I've experienced 
and you know my five decades of being able to follow sports and and you know articulate and analyze it. And this is just absolutely sad. Keyshawn, I should give you three. Forget two. Coming up with some cockamamie stuff, and knowing exactly that it, that you would get the social justice warriors and keyboard warriors who are also writing Dion's jock fired up and believing that nonsense about people feeding the Oregon coaches. Oregon coaches needed no help dispatching that smoke and wires team cobbled together by bell wire and duct tape. You should be ashamed of yourself, but you knew it would get traction and people would believe it because they don't take time to think. They're all prisoners of the moment and think visceral as opposed to actually doing some real analysis. Shame on you. Okay. We're going to give complimentaries all around to the wokesters and the maggonards that turned Twitter into an absolute toxic dump site after Colorado was lost last week. Heaven forbid if SC is able to duplicate that, or even worse, if Colorado should pull off a stunning upset, how messed up Twitter's going to be. Like it or hate it, yeah. Dion has created a, a buzz and a firestorm that is the good, bad, and the ugly all sleeping in the same bed. We are going to give just an XL to all the PL, PSG supporters with the anti-gay chants directed at Marseille players. Come on, folks. We got too good of a club to have that smear what was a fantastic experience disposing of our rivals in Le Classique last week. You know, even some of the players getting in trouble. Not a good look for Le Rouget Bleu. Sorry, it's just not cool. Uh, we're going to give a five strip for the Aox fans. Being babies and throwing flares on the pitch, you know, as Feyenoord was getting that ass in a 3-0 match that had to be abandoned because of unsafe conditions. Yeah, things have been falling apart for Aox, but come on, folks. Grow, grow up and take your medicine, right? You get your asses kicked every now and then. I'm going to give out a couple of, I'm going to give out complimentaries to the asshats at the LAFC game in the Champions Cup the other night for throwing stuff after at, at Tigers players as well. Take your medicine, walk away, and don't be, you know, classless dipshits. Not that much to ask, right? I gotta give a complimentary to that crazy Broncos chick. I'm sure if, you, if you're following social media or Twitter, you know, I get, don't get me wrong. If I made the trip or I lived in, you know, the Miami Metro and my team gave up a 70 burger, I'd be pissed too. I sure the hell wouldn't try to fight everybody. I would just quietly walk with my head down if my team gave a 70 burger. But this chick wanted to beat up everybody. Okay. We're going to give three XLs. We haven't given Kurt Schilling one in a while, but Schill for being Schill. Really? Revealing Tim Wakefield's cancer diagnosis when he wanted to keep it private? Dang, dude, that's even low for you. Not shocking because Schill's going to be Schill, but damn, come on, man. you got to be better than that. Okay. We're going to give a two XL to that Ohio high school 
two XLs, I should say, to that Ohio high school that was using Nazi in its play calls. Is that a oh my or why? Really? In this day and age, come on, man. You know, whoever is behind that, you, you should be fired. Not even suspended. Come on. you For real? Nazi? Wow. You might as well have used the other N-word that you shouldn't say if you're going to go there. Wow. And of course, you know, some people thought it was racist. I'm not sure. I don't have the evidence to think that it was directed to be racist, but whatever the case may be. Lastly, we've got the Alabama State receiver, Jacob Freeman, punching a security card in a game against Florida AMU. Dude, there's cameras everywhere. You, you can't do that kind of stuff. When there, people have cell phones, there's... Yeah, you can't, there's all kinds of video surveillance everywhere. What the F were you thinking? All right, folks, we got a big weekend coming. Looking forward to seeing the Utes and the Beavs in about 45 minutes. I want you all to be safe, have as much fun as possible, as this is going to be another explosive sports weekend. I'm looking forward to coming back for episode 178 with more merriment in the foxhole in the meantime be happy be safe definitely stay sane and i'll see you in about a week or so